Hello, everyone. I'm Brian Zimmerman, AVP Client Content and Strategy with Becker's Healthcare. Thank you for joining us for this podcast. Today, I'm joined by Scott Taylor, CEO and co-founder of Perks Health. Scott, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Brian. And today, we're, of course, going to discuss you know this trend of digital health and how it's leaving most of the vulnerable patients, the most vulnerable patients behind, and, and how we can potentially fix that, how the industry can potentially fix that. So let's get into it. But first, Scott, can you just share a bit about yourself, your your professional background in, in your organization? Yeah, no problem at all. I'm Scott Taylor, as you say. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Perks Health. Um, Perks Health is a digital health company improving clinical outcomes for high-risk members, so the, the vulnerable patients you talked about. They're, they're managing multiple chronic conditions or have complex social determinants of health, or in many cases, both. And we do that by making sure that they engage and stick to their treatment plan. I think the the, the problem of engaging with a treatment plan or adhering to a treatment plan, as we often say, is something that's it's pretty personal to, to myself and, and also um, my co-founder when we started the company. Um, we both have family members managing chronic conditions, multiple chronic conditions, um, including, you know, I remember at one point, my grandmother struggling so much with her complex treatment plan that you know, she was in such chronic pain. Uh, that she told our family that she should rather die than continue to kind of manage the conditions she was. And I think that's a big driver for you know our team and a lot of people um, who you know at, at Perks. Um, and it's a well-known problem. I mean, lack of engagement with the treatment plan. Yeah, you know, we all know the stats of fifty percent of people not adhering to medication, but it also applies to lifestyle changes, physical therapy, and attending appointments. And I think that that one of the sad things is that I think we we thought that digital health would would solve this. Um, and you know, the the reality is it often doesn't. And you, you know, actually see the same adherence and engagement problems translate to digital tools as we see in traditional healthcare. We see chronic disease management programs, digital therapeutics, remote patient monitoring tools that are plagued with poor adherence, whether it's low initial enrollment, low daily usage, low retention rates. Um, the average patient using a digital tool to manage their health engages with the program for about five days and then drops off. Um, and you know, it's, it's almost as bad as, as traditional healthcare. And that was really the impetus for myself and Hugo, my co-founder to start perks a few years ago is that we knew that the digital engagement problem could be solved. We didn't know if we could solve the traditional adherence and engagement problem, but we knew that there's a lot of other industries out there and we'd worked with them, um, who'd solved this challenge of how do you get someone to form habits around a digital product? Um, and you, we only need to look at our you know, screen app times on on our, our smartphones to to see that there's some digital programs that are very effective at getting us to change our behavior and form habits around them. Um, and that was really the impetus for us studying perks. We, we leverage what we'd learned in your behavioral economics, consumer strategy, working with tech, retail, gaming companies um, to bring that to healthcare. And so at, at perks, we're really focused on how do we provide high-risk patients daily personalized and persistent motivation to actually engage with their treatment plans. As a result of adopting those ideas from other industries, we've been able to deliver digital programs that deliver 40 times higher engagement than typical digital programs and can engage high-risk members four to five times a day and consistently for over six months. The good news is that by solving that kind of digital engagement or digital adherence problem is that we're able to actually improve the traditional in adherence and traditional engagement problems. So we've actually had clinical trials that have shown that Perks patients achieve twice the odds of adherence versus people in standard care. 
And we effectively then work with health plans and healthcare systems to digitally scale their care management programs or care management activities to reach more of their members, more of their harder to reach members and support them day in, day out to, to stick to their treatment plan, see better clinical outcomes and avoiding ending up in a hospital unnecessarily. Well, Scott, I appreciate first uh, you sharing that, that that your personal experience to really help sort of give the context of, of the human stakes involved with this challenge. Um, and, and to your point, and, and I also appreciate the the details about perks and, and, and what, what you all are doing, but to your point about digital health, that not really improving this issue or, you know, there's a study, I believe, cited by the American Hospital Association that many patients and providers say digital healthcare access has either stayed the same or gotten worse in the past 12 to 24 months. So I guess I want to first get your reaction to that finding. I'm, I'm sure it's not too surprising to you, but what, what do access issues here mean for healthcare organizations like, like payers um, as well as patients, members, et cetera? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, access to digital care is a critical issue. There's no doubt that the kind of whiplash of adoption and then staff shortages and changing funding regulatory models, particularly over the last couple of years, have created a lot of like frustration and confusion for, yeah, as you say, patients, providers, payers. Yeah, that that AHA report is really interesting. And I think you know, digging into kind of, you know, the the next level is thinking through what 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 do patients and what do providers mean by you know, access to digital care has plateaued um, or gone backwards in, in some cases. It was interesting. I looked at the kind of responses from, from patients that their kind of you know, main primary challenge of access uh, was seeing a practitioner quickly. Um, that was the most challenging thing. And I think it has stayed the, the most challenging thing for the last couple of years um, in a bit of a kind of ironic twist that the number one challenge cited by providers, according to the AHA study, is getting patients to use the digital services designed to help them see a doctor quickly. Um, and so that potentially ca encapsulates the the challenge in digital health in a nutshell that, you know, when we we're talking about, you know, digital access is plateaued and, you know, one party is saying that they need some aspect of, of digital care. And then the, the other party is saying, well, they need those people to use the digital tools that they're, they're providing. I think that it's, it's very you know, atyp you know, it's very typical in digital health that we see like a, a solution is designed by a, a tech entrepreneur or a clinician or a health plan, and then patients don't use it. And we kind of blame the patient. We say, yeah, as opposed to reflecting on why the patients aren't using it, you know, and that would sound crazy in any industry outside of healthcare. Like, yeah, you, know, you can't blame a consumer for not buying your product or not using your product. Um, but I think it is a very real frustration that that exists in healthcare but for both payers, so for, for payers, patients and providers. That's also probably been compounded by COVID where patients had to use digital health solutions out of necessity. And I think now as we kind of start to you know, come out of, of, of that, the bare basics or the just good enough experience isn't good enough anymore for consumers. And they're actually measuring their digital health experiences with you know, the digital experiences elsewhere in their lives and, 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 uh, and, and it's not measuring up. And, and so I think, you know, we have to think of this access issue that, that's called out as also like, you know, can it just be partially solved by creating better products and experiences that patients and providers actually want to use as opposed to having forced onto them? What does that mean for digital health? Well, I think you know, digital health companies and digital health programs can't hide behind access as a reason that you know programs don't get adopted, scaled and rolled out, particularly not while you know, they're achieving 5% enrollment rates and the average patient is only using a digital health solution five days 
um, because you know, access isn't the only issue there. It's you know, even if you provide access, you know, how do you deliver that 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 engagement that is needed to really deliver outcomes? Um, so I think digital health needs to focus more on how do we solve a real problem in in people's lives and how do we make it a intervention that people pull on as opposed to have pushed down onto them. In terms of what does it mean for payers? I mean, I think payers are clued onto this disconnect probably earlier than than a lot of players in the system where they've rolled out digital health programs. Um, which promised a lot of outcomes, but then you know didn't deliver on those outcomes, and often due to the fact that we hear this time and time again from health plan execs, where you know there were some great outcomes in a clinical trial, but then when it was rolled out in the real world, nobody used it. And when they say nobody used it, they do all literally almost mean nobody used it, and that you know a fraction of people actually enrolled, and then those who enrolled in the program didn't stay engaged. And so you can have the best digital diabetes program or the best behavioral health coach in the world. But you know, if people aren't actually enrolling in the program and staying engaged in the program, it's probably going to struggle to deliver results. And so I think the biggest thing payers can do is you know, really challenge digital health vendors to do better and, and push them on what's their ability to actually show patients want to use their solutions. Um, and then how does that translate to outcomes? Some important points there, and as you sort of underscored engagement, it is clearly a major challenge. Um, I'm curious, though, if you can maybe describe the patient populations who are at greater risk for lacking access to digital health technologies. And I think part of the solution, potential solution you just laid out is really challenging companies. And, and you know, the phrase you use that stuck out to me is like, you can't hide behind access. It's not the only challenge here. Um, but how else do you think payers and digital health companies um, should really be engaging with these populations? Yeah, definitely. So if we talk about the populations first and then you know what's the you know, the, the solution for payers and digital health companies and engaging them? I mean, the population, ironically, is those who historically have not, you know, those who have historically not engaged with digital health solutions are those who probably most stand to benefit from the daily support of a digital health program. And they look like those high-risk patient populations I mentioned earlier, where those people who are managing multiple chronic conditions, those people who are older or have lower health literacy or more complex social determinants of health. Um, these are the patients who are the highest risk. They have the worst outcomes and, and they're also the highest cost. But unfortunately, they're also the hardest to reach with digital health as it currently stands. And I think there is an unfortunate reality that most digital health companies have probably taken the, the path of least resistance and they've built solutions for the complete opposite end of the spectrum, the, the younger, the healthier, the wealthier members who are in employer-sponsored plans and potentially not Medicare, Medicaid patients. I mean, zooming out, you could argue that as an industry, we have somewhat of a moral imperative to to not leave those those higher risk patients behind. But I mean, given the nature of the the healthcare cost curve, I mean, I think payers have a very real economic imperative to try and you know find digital programs that are enrolling, engaging, and improving outcomes for, for those high-cost patients. You know, if you're a payer and you're delivering a digital diabetes program and it's only enrolling those kind of lower-risk, higher-health literacy patients who are probably already pretty effective at managing themselves and you're leaving behind those high-risk patients who might have lower health literacy, multiple comorbidities, maybe complex social determinants of health, um, you've got a real problem, not just because you're, you're leaving those members behind, but you know, you, you can, you know, the healthcare cost curve is steep and, and unforgiving and you know, 5% of members account for 60 to 70% of healthcare costs. So if you're not capturing that high risk 5%, you're really going to struggle to see material return on investment. So I think you know, not only do we need to push digital health solutions for higher engagement, we need to push them for higher engagement with the right type of member and those high risk members. And we also need to think about 
you know, I think that to, to how do we go about solving this problem and and making digital health programs appealing and, and engaging for those higher risk populations, we need to think about the value proposition of digital health programs um, and how that resonates with different types and different segments of, of patients or members of consumers. You know, for example, yeah, you know, if we have a digital health program that is focused on providing more content, more information, more education about someone's condition, it's probably likely going to resonate more with a health literate patient than a low health literate patient because you know, it's, it's all focused around more information and that you can consume to learn about your condition. And so we need to think about, you know, what are we actually putting in front of members and how about that bias towards you know, people who are going to have worse outcomes or people who are going to have better outcomes based on what we know correlates with outcomes. I think, yeah, with digital health companies, you know, they should be you know, specifically looking at how do we build programs specifically for those high-risk patients. And that might not be going after the employer-sponsored health plans or the, the employers, but actually going, you know, looking at how do we serve Medicaid or Medicare patients and you know, how do we find ways to enroll and keep those patients actively engaged. Um, and often that isn't just promising them more information about their condition. It's looking at ways to tap into kind of, you know, more behavioral science or consumer engagement type strategies. And Scott, so my next question for you, it, it might seem uh, maybe a touch rudimentary or, or or basic, but I think at this point in the conversation, it might be helpful for for some of our listeners out there. And, and it's really around the word engagement. Uh, you know, we hear, obviously, we both said it a lot already in our conversation, but I think some of that, some of the phrases sort of up to interpretation might mean something to different people. Um, so how do you define it, uh, engagement in terms of digital health initiatives? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I don't think it's rudimentary at all. And it is like super important, the definition. So I'll talk about the definition and then I'll kind of talk about, you know, why, why I think, um, you know, engagement itself is important. But, you know, I think that unfortunately engagement has been co-opted as a bit of a buzzword. There's a lot of self-described engagement platforms out there. And yeah, unfortunately, you know, based on our definition of engagement, they, they, they probably wouldn't be, they're, they're not actually that engaging. Um, I mean, at Perks, we believe engagement needs to be proactive, consistent and it needs to lead to the completion of healthcare tasks. So kind of why those three things, I think proactive, as I've mentioned a couple of times, we, we believe digital health solutions need to be pulled by the patient as opposed to pushed onto the patient. So an, an unwanted text message or a push notification to a patient is an engagement. It's it's basically spam. Um, you know, we we need we believe that engagement actually needs to be initiated by the patient for it to be an effective you know engagement. Um, it also needs to be consistent. I think yeah, the, unfortunately, most of the big healthcare challenges we face today it can't be solved overnight with a magic bullet. Um, they they require step by step, day by day commitment of the patient. So engagement in digital care healthcare needs to reflect this. Engagement isn't just about enrolling a member in a program. It's about getting that member to come back to the program day in, day out consistently in a way that changes behavior and leads to better outcomes. And then, you know, what, why completion of healthcare tasks? Well, it kind of goes without saying that engagement for engagement's sake isn't isn't that productive. I mean, if we think about, you know, scrolling endlessly on TikTok or, or Instagram, um, but engagement shouldn't be measured by app opens or website visits. It needs to be measured by, you know, did that digital touch point lead to the completion of real world healthcare actions. So that might be you know, taking a medication or doing their physical therapy exercises or logging a clinical measurement with a device. The reason we are so focused on engagement and solving the engagement problem is that you know, we, we kind of think of engagement as the first step in the mechanism of action for digital health. And you know, if we kind of borrow mechanism of action, you know, usually applied to kind of traditional therapeutics to digital therapeutics, it's the, the steps from how do we get to you know someone picking up this intervention to delivering 
clinical and, and financial outcomes. And you know, engagement really encompasses that you know, first step of how do we get someone enrolled in the program? How do we get them to stay consistently engaged and regularly engaged with the program to lead to the completion of the healthcare tasks, which then leads to the clinical outcomes, then leads to the financial outcomes. I think that the challenge is that that is you know, very much a cumulative process. And that if we fall at the first hurdle and we don't solve the engagement problem, somewhat nothing, kind of nothing else matters because if that's not driving the completion of healthcare tasks, you're not going to get the clinical outcome. You're not going to get the financial outcome. And, and I think that is why engagement is such a critical you know, link in the chain as such. Ultimately, what you're saying there, yeah, it's a, it's got to translate into results. It's got to translate into better outcomes, lower costs, all the things that you know everyone, healthcare leaders are all striving towards, right? Um, and, and you know, patients are of course individuals and might require tailored approaches to engagement or, or um, you know, culturally savvy approaches to engagement. Can you talk a little bit about the characteristics of a digital health strategy or tool? That really ensures that, that that payers can really engage members, regardless of social, cultural, linguistic, demographic, or uh, other health-related factors that might inform how they engage or receive messaging. Yeah, I mean, I think the the first thing I'd say is that yeah, it's it's very much the same principles that apply not just to a, a digital health app or a digital health tool. It's what applies to a digital tool altogether. Yeah, yeah, and when we think about the really highly effective and engaging digital experiences we have in our lives. I mean, often those do appeal to a really broad range of, you know, social, cultural, demographic, um, and and you know, and and people in very different walks of life. Um, and and so I I think we we as an industry need to look at you know, what is working outside the industry to try and bring it into healthcare. From my perspective, I think one of the challenges that yeah has historically you know, been the case in digital health is that. We, we really leverage a, lot, a single engagement strategy. And that does tend to be information or education or, or coaching when in reality, we know that you know, most digital experiences don't just rely on a single reason for a patient to engage or a consumer to engage. Um, as you said, like everyone is individual and that applies to engagement and motivation you know, as it does anywhere else in life. So if we know that there's different ways that someone might be engaged with a, a digital program, we need to lean into that. And so we need to have multiple engagement strategies. Um, and then we, over time, need to try and personalize our engagement to the individual and meet them where they are, as opposed to try and kind of get them to yeah, respond to whatever strategy happens to suit our program. And and I, I, yeah, I think you know, I often use health literacy as an example there, as I, as I did before, but you know, if we've got, if we know that we're working with a population that you know, has worse outcomes because they have lower health literacy, don't just push more information onto them because information. You know, the definition of health literacy is that you know you struggle to take the you know information and turn it into the daily actions that you need to to manage your care. And so, you know, I think yeah, you know, we need to be very focused on how do we build solutions that people pull on don't have pushed onto them, um, and. You know, that that's very much what we focus on at Perks is you know, how do we actually steal ideas from you know, social media platforms, mobile games, streaming services to personalize the in, the engagement and motivation to the individual and you know recognize that what works for Scott may be very different to what works for Brian and that's okay. Um, we just need to have the, the the infrastructure to be able to kind of serve them the right you know uh, reason to engage at the right time or the right motivation at the right time. Um, and when we look at 
big tech companies that are you know at the top of the list of screen time on our phones um that's exactly what they do they they look at you know the, when, when if we were to both open our you know instagram feeds or our netflix home pages you know those companies are looking at what has previously worked to engage scott or brian and let's give them more of what what has worked and i think we need to take that approach in, in healthcare of you know, recognizing that everyone is individually motivated and one size fits all solutions are just not going to work and delivering behavior change at scale yeah, and it, it's it's sort of what the environment, the whole digital environment outside of healthcare has become as well. So it's sort of a an expectation uh, for for people having that sort of experience. Um, Scott, I guess my follow up for you there is, you know, this is sort of the the digital health marketplace, so to speak. It, it's pretty crowded. Um, I guess what would you say? What are some best practices or or tips that healthcare organizations can use to select a digital health partner or tool that is, is right for their organization, because of course, different organizations have different needs as well, right? So can you talk a little bit about how you how you think people should be, the leaders should be thinking about making these decisions? Yeah, I think that there's definitely a process that needs to be undertaken, whether it's a, a chief medical officer selecting a tool for chronic disease management or um, you know, a medical director or a provider trying to figure out kind of what app to suggest someone to manage you know, a, a condition the the kind of a general approach I think that we need to see is has this solution worked for the type of patient that, that we're working with before and so yeah I think very much thinking along those lines of you know if, if we're delivering a program to a Medicaid population you know do, ha, does this this solution recognize the the complexities of working with that population as opposed to an employer-sponsored population um and you know, I think then also looking at engagement with those solutions, as I said, kind of engagement is the kind of first hurdle as such. And so having some really clear, you know, and, and probing questions around, you know, what level of enrollment should we expect to see? What daily active usage should we expect to see? You know, what retention should we expect to see is critical to then actually saying, okay, well, you can have the the, the beautiful app or the perfect website, but ultimately, unless you can kind of answer those that kind of enrollment usage and engagement questions i mean they, they're, they're not worth very much because they're not actually you know, going to deliver the, the the clinical outcomes and and, and economic outcomes that, that someone's probably looking for in that in that scenario i think also clinical evidence is is huge there's there's hundreds of thousands of you know apps out there there's very little that have you know, randomized control trials or or real kind of clinical studies and published clinical studies out there and then also, I think, you know, thinking through that mechanism of action approach is, you know, thinking through how would this value proposition resonate with a consumer and potentially even doing some some patient testing of, you know, does this actually, you know, appeal to my my patient set that I'm looking to offer this solution to? And and Scott, you know, we've we've talked a lot today about sort of some of the the challenges in the digital health space, the challenges around engagement. Um, but I, th I think this is certainly, a, you know, unquestionably a really exciting time for digital health technology and what it could mean for healthcare. So as we come to an end uh, to our time together, Scott, I, I want to try to strike a an optimistic note to, to, sure. to end on. But uh, so looking to the future, what are you really excited about in the, uh, the digital health realm and what's next for Perks Health? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, I mean, in the digital health realm, I think it would be crazy for me at this time uh, uh, to not talk about AI. I mean, it's the obvious answer, but I, I think there's a lot of buzz and there's also a lot of skepticism around AI in, in healthcare. 
I think what really excites me um, about artificial intelligence in, or is, is actually the ability that it has to kind of do some of that personalization we spoke about before um, and to really kind of learn what engagement or motivation or you know strategies will cut through for a particular individual as opposed to having to think about kind of these broad groups um, and these kind of one size fits all approaches. And I think that is really positive, you know, in terms of you know, some of the capabilities that we're seeing about it around the ability to quickly personalize, you know, whether it's outreach or whether it's, you know, a motivational message to an individual at scale, um, based on everything we know about a, 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 a an individual. And, you know, so we can deliver a solution to a Medicaid patient who might be older, might have, you know, have English as a second language, managing multiple chronic conditions. And then we can deliver that exact same solution for, you know, an executive at a tech company who, you know, is highly health literate and, you know, is, is wanting to learn as much as possible. And we can actually think about, you know, we can deliver the same protocols, but in a, and, and engage people in very different ways. Um, and that really excites me about, you know, where digital health is ending, you know, what does this kind of engine of, you know, of, of machine learning and artificial intelligence mean for our ability to personalize healthcare at scale? In terms of what's next for Perks Health, I mean, as probably can people could probably tell from my accent, originally from Australia, and we actually built um, Perks initially in Australia. We work with a lot of the large payers and providers over there. We now work with a number of payers in in the US, um, and we can, you know, we're, we're really looking to kind of replicate the fantastic results we've seen with our Australian clients in in the US market. Um, and so, yeah, meeting with more. U.S. health plan executives and and healthcare systems um, to 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 make sure that we can kind of help improve those clinical outcomes with those high risk members and, and and keep them engaged in their daily treatment plan. Well, I, I appreciate you coming on, Scott, and talking about this. And, and certainly, personalization at scale would be huge for healthcare and something to be excited about. Um, is, is there anything else you you like our audience to know before I let you go? No, I mean, the only thing I'd say is that we're going to be at uh, Becker's Healthcare's Payer Issues Roundtable uh, in Chicago in mid-November. So we'd love to connect in real life, share, share a coffee, um, and you know, or else feel free to reach out to us at hello at perkshealth.com. Yeah, absolutely. And I will be there as well, Scott. So maybe our paths will cross. Um, it's yeah. been a pleasure. Thank you. Look forward to seeing them. Absolutely. Scott, thanks again for, for coming on the podcast. It's been a pleasure. I also want to thank our sponsor, Perks Health. You can tune into more podcasts and virtual events from Becker's Healthcare by visiting beckershospitalreview.com.